This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Every single one of us wants to have the perfect job, the job that we love to do, that we are truly great at doing, that fulfills us and brings value to the business. And most of us know what it feels like to question if we are in the right seat on the right bus. That's why we are sharing today's episode. It's a story of how one person went on a journey through the one thing to get clarity on what the right seat was for him for the future. Many years ago, he started his own financial service firm. And as he worked hard, he began to bring in more clients. He serviced them. The business grew. He hired people. He brought in more clients. He serviced them. The business grew. You fast forward to where he is today. While he's the CEO, he wants this company to be something that lasts for generations. And he realizes that it can no longer depend on him. He has to have a team that can continue to grow the business independent of him. And that's when the one thing came into play. As you listen to today's episode, our hope is that you will begin to consider for yourself, what's the right job for me? What are the two to three things that I do exceptionally well, that I'm great at, that also bring value to the organization? And what are all the other things that I'm currently doing that maybe don't bring me as much joy, that maybe I'm not as great at? Maybe they don't bring the most value to the business. And our hope is that this encourages you to go on a journey to getting clarity on how you should be investing your time professionally and some of the things that over time, hopefully you can shed, whether that's through leverage or other means. As you go through the episode, if you'd like support on the journey, make sure to head over to theonething.com. That's theonething.com with the number one in the URL. Individuals can learn about our Jumpstart program. It's a two-day immersive experience to take you deep into the one thing and start living it immediately. And if you're a leader like the person you're going to meet today and want to bring the one thing to your company, you can request a consultation. We'll line up a time to connect and walk you through what it looks like. With that, let's get into this conversation with Mark Lloyd. Mark, when did you come across the one thing? Wow. Well, it, uh, last year, I was introduced to the one thing by a colleague of mine that you know very well, Michael Reese, down in <laughs> Austin, Texas, the infamous Michael Reese. And uh, Mike and I have been collaborating on things there for a while and uh, had the opportunity to do some uh, educational events for Advisors Excel together. So anytime something comes across his desk uh, or he has the opportunity to try something that has really worked for him, he is he's quick to let me know that. And vice versa. If something that he tries doesn't work, he's been gracious enough to say, hey, you don't want to bother with that. Uh, and, by, and I do the same thing for him if I come across an idea or something that uh, I've tried uh, or partnered with a uh, a coach for something. I've done the same for Mike. And Mike did, Mike recommended the one thing and, and he was really emphatic about it. He said, if you do anything, you need to do this program. Of course, I'm kind of on the cheap side. I don't like to spend money if I don't have to. And I was a whole lot worse 15 years ago, 10 years ago than I am today. I'm a little bit more generous as far as trying things, a little bit more, uh, uh, willing to, to to invest a little bit more. Um, but, you know, even though there was a cost to it, I knew that it made sense 
for me to try the one thing because of where we were as a company. Yeah. So you're, you own your own financial services firm. What was going on inside the business at the time that you were introduced to the one thing that made you say, okay, now might actually be the right time? Well, we were going through a transition. You know, COVID opened a lot of doors and in my case, opened my eyes. Um, I came down with COVID in, in December of, of uh, 2020. Um, and we had it hit our office in June of 2020 to where a big majority of our staff got infected at the same time. This was, you know, of course, what is what is March of 2020 is when we found out about COVID. Uh, in June of 2020, we had a, a sizable amount of our of our staff that that worked in this one area that came in, you know, came down with COVID, and we had to shut the whole office down. And, and, and it was back in the early stages where we didn't know what to expect. Um, and then in December, I caught another variant of it in, in 2020. Uh, and I was down for a little while. Luckily, you know, knock on wood, you know, it was just, it turned into double pneumonia, but I did not have to go on a respirator or anything. But it's made me open my eyes to what's going to happen to this company if something would have happened to me. Because it's always been in the back of my mind that this is a family organization. My son-in-law, who represents one, I have five children, by the way. My son-in-law, who represents one of my daughters, uh, has been working for me for 15 years, straight out of college. Dated my daughter at high school, got married after college. They actually worked a year outside of, uh, you, know, out, you know, in the workforce. You know, Drew worked for me for a year and then got married. Very, very, very mature. And then my oldest son, Mark Jr., works at the firm. My youngest son, Andrew, works at the firm. My middle daughter, a Allison, works at the firm. I have one daughter who's an assistant principal at an elementary school who doesn't work for the firm and none of her family does. She would if I needed her, but she had a 30-year plan of being an educator. And then Drew's wife is an educator. So I already know that my firm is eventually going into good hands. My It's a family firm. And everybody else I have here, I consider my adopted family. I have a general manager who is top-notch, who takes care of everything for me. And I, so I kind of have my team in place. I just don't have anything in writing. And I don't, I don't, I didn't communicate it very well. So we were going through a transition of how to structure this company for generations to come. That's mm -hmm. number one. Number two, I've been doing this for 30 years. What I love to do best is to be in front of a crowd, to you know, do workshops, seminars, TV, radio, marketing. That's, that's my wheelhouse. I love that. And I got to the point where I was starting to dread doing service appointments. And, it's because, and I really think it's because my time, it, it was really squeezing my time and my calendar was filling up with service appointments and even new clients, new prospects, where I wasn't able to emphasize being a business owner. And a lot of my colleagues who really went to the next level and grew their practices very quickly had to make the decision, when do I become a business owner and not a personal producer? So I made that decision. I said, you know, with COVID, uh, the team really did a great job. We hit all of our numbers without me. 
And that was cool. So, so now, how do I put all this structure in place? So the one thing helped me re, really change my job description because I kind of found myself floundering before we started working together. Like my day used to be this calendar was filled with this appointment, that appointment, you know, I was, everything was so structured. Now, how do I fill up my time to be the best partner with my team? And the one thing helped me prioritize. The, the other thing that was happening was our team has been in place for a while, but you're always wanting to tweak it to see, do I have the right people in the right positions? Uh, do I need more people? Do I have too many people? Are they doing their jobs efficiently? What issues are they having? Do, is there a communication problem? Maybe they're a little anxious to really open up to Heidi, my general manager, and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Is there a better way of forming communication between my staff and my leadership and my management? Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. You're, you're hitting on something that I think a lot of people who have started companies struggle with, which is going from when you start, it's just you. You do everything. And as the business starts to grow, you bring people on, but going from being advisor to CEO or going from being salesperson to CEO, that jump from individual contributor to leader of leaders who lead the contributors is a very... Well, it's in some ways it's a big gap and in some ways it's not. Well, it's helpful if there's a plan in place. Mm-hmm. And everything that you all put together, you could tell it was well thought out. Um, the exercises that were done for my team were well thought out and planned and tested. You already knew what it was going to accomplish. We didn't. I mean, I got caught in one of these exercises where we were going around and doing a, a scavenger hunt. <laughs> and, my, and my coach, you know, you know, shoes. Yeah. My coach had this laundry list of all these things to gather points. And I'm like, shoot, I know every hiding place in this building. I'm going to get the most of these, of, of all the, I mean, paper clips. So, so let me pause. So this, this is a scavenger hunt yeah. we do where we show a list of items. Yeah. And every- 
every item has a point value. So like a pen is worth one point and you can get as many of an item as you want. So if you had like a Costco size box of pens with a hundred pens, that's a hundred points, but you win by getting as many points possible in about 90 seconds. But my anal brain went in, how many can I get on the list? Not how many of the item I went with the list. So I'm going around and who had the most things me. I lost. I lost the contest because Drew went to, like you just said, went to the storage room and got thousands of pens and he stuck them on his desk and propped his feet up and waited till the contest was over. (laughs) (laughs) So the bottom line is, you know, it was like an aha moment. The light bulb went off. It's like, okay, I see where they're going here. So the point, the point of that is to demonstrate that everything does not matter equally. Most people run around crazy trying to get as many different items. Drew went and found the one item. Yes. Hence. Yes. He just happened to gather a thousand of them and win the contest. Exactly. Won the contest hands down. Yeah. So to me, it took a, it took an exercise like that for me to be humiliated in front of my team, which was cool. It was okay. Okay. I'm used to that. But that's just one example. That's awesome. So I want to talk about for you getting clarity on your role, because I know that was a big part of the engagement was, okay, what are the things that Mark, you are truly world-class at that bring you lots of joy that you want to continue doing? And how do we clarify what those things are? And then all the other stuff that you're still doing, how do we clearly help the team understand that is now their job and they don't get to give that back to you? So walk us through what that looked like for you. So so what we did was we actually had some private coaching sessions with shoes. Um, We had a team. We had a team coaching session, which was more general, more curriculum-based, exercise-based like that. And then we had a private session with Heidi and I. So Heidi and I could, we could actually, not only my role, but what was her role? Because the responsibility and really the buck stopped at her desk as the general manager. We actually changed the position from the vice president of operations and marketing to general manager because she's managing the whole firm. And so that created, and we wrote her job description out. And your firm helped us create what that job description looked like for me as the CEO and also what her job description was as a general manager. Then we just went ahead and wrote it. We, we completed an organizational chart, figured out what holes we had, what needs to be filled, but we also have a plan in place how to promote from within and how to build from within of our own staff to bigger and better things so they're more emotionally invested into their success because now there's a plan in place. You, you, we can sit there and say, hey, you know, we promote from within. You, know, you, you come here and work at the Lloyd Group. There's opportunities for you. But to actually see it spelled out in black and white, the team feels a lot better about it. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the team's feeling. Because I think people, sometimes when we talk about Here's my job description. These are the two to three things that I should really be focusing on. I currently be doing this, this, and this. I'm realizing that's your job. Some people think that that might be a tougher conversation to have when in fact, it's actually liberating. So go a little deeper there. 
So, you know, a lot of the tasks that were being done each day, I would, I would summarize it by saying it was very mechanical. You know, we report the work, here's what I got to do. Um, and so we don't really get a chance to really see if there's any issues or any way of making it be- better. So what happened during this whole process, and I think we, I think we did this for what, six months, nine months? I can't remember how six. long. Six months. We did, we did six months of this. We were looking at what our each per, what each person's roles were, and you know what was really funny? In the beginning, they were slow to talk about it. My staff was really slow to talk about. It. They wouldn't open up very well. So again, your coaches, your you know, in this case here, shoes, was able to get them to open up and talk about, you know, their what their role was, responsibility, the things that they really liked, they excelled at, the things they struggled with. Um, and, you know, they were taught to notice and prioritize what affects our business. And most importantly, how could they produce more for the business? It helped them change their mindset and to be emotionally invested into the success of the business. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't want to take this lightly. This is a very big deal. It made more impact coming from someone from the outside hmm. than it was from someone from the inside. Why do you think that is? You know, well, first of all, I think it, it, it makes a difference on who is the person from the outside. Uh, they've got to be a good communicator. And they've got to be someone who they, that, that your employees would feel comfortable with. In our case, I think we hit the jackpot. Yeah. Uh, and we had a coach that they felt very comfortable with that was very seasoned and experienced, but had a way in communicating to where it wasn't like a beatdown. It was more of a words of encouragement. Of let me, let me, you know, or or have you ever thought about this? Maybe the mindset, have you ever thought about doing something this way? And it was done in a very, you know, non-confrontational way. It was done in a very soft way to where our staff accepted it really easily. There was no pushback, no pushback during that six months. Yeah. And is there an example of somebody in, on your team who before like talented person, great work ethic wants to do the best for the business, but because they were not actually clear on what their role was, they were doing a lot of stuff that maybe they shouldn't have been doing. Well, or spending more time on things that really didn't make as much difference. Yeah, what's an example of that? Well, I mean, you get you've got situations where, like, I'll give you an example. We can really get inundated with emails and phone calls. So, just uh, this is really a simple thing. It, it's not earth shattering. It's not like you know, hey, I've never thought of that. But we had our advisors pretty much answering phone calls all day long. And it didn't take long before they just got inundated with answering phone calls instead of calling and checking on our clients or calling prospects that they've been working on and, you know, and seeing where they are on the process, how to get them, get them back re-engaged. Maybe some that were close to becoming a client or not a client yet, but you know, it's just a little bit more where they would become a client. So we now we have it structured where they have certain times of the day where they re- do all their return phone calls. That's a really simple solution. 
And that's something that just came out of this exercise. So I want to dive in there because that is so simple. And I think most people listening to this episode right now are probably saying, yeah, I know I shouldn't be checking email all the time. I know I shouldn't always be responsive to my phone ringing or text messages, but bridging that gap from where they are to where they know they should be, which is have set times where I am responsive to email and phone and have set times when I am not responsive. That's tough for them to bridge. So walk us through the mindset of your people. What was some of the pushback that they had when they were going on that journey? Well, ideally was, will the, in the case of emails, will they, will they get so far behind? Because we are very strict. If we have a client who calls in, customer service is number one. So we have to make sure we return that phone call within a certain amount of time. We're not going to sacrifice quality of service because of time management. That's not going to happen. But it's real easy to get inundated on the, especially if you're on the phone. But what about the risk of kind of going from emails to social media? If the phone's not in your hand, then that risk minimizes, diminishes. So, I mean, it's just a matter of setting up priorities and setting up more structure. Yeah. But we didn't get a whole lot of pushback by it, about it because the process of learning the one thing, it kind of, it, 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 you know, the whole six months was talking about focusing on the 20% that, is, that makes the most difference in your, in your, in your success. So if, 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 you're, if you've got 100% of things going on and 20% of what you do differentiates whether you're successful or not, you want to make sure most of your time is spent on that 20%. So part of that, that 80% was all the minutia. And, that, and sometimes it's all the waste of time. Yeah. What, as your team got more and more focused on what the 20% was, how did they learn to deal with the 80%? Well, the main, the main thing was structuring time out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really didn't hear, you know, after the fact that there's been any kind of issues with it. It's kind of like it fell in line. Does that make sense? It does to me. <laughs> it does to me. It fell in line. It was almost like, well, instead of focusing, and it's like energy. You're, you're wasting your energy on it. Save your energy for what's most important in your daily routine. And then the other stuff got done anyway. That's right. Yeah, I experienced this personally. And I remember when I was starting to live the one thing, thinking to myself, okay, I get it. Focus on the most important things. But what about everything else? And it's the same question that most people have when they start the journey. It's like, okay, I hear you say in any moment, there's one thing that matters more than anything else. But what about everything else? And like you said, Mark, when you start to focus on the 20%, that drives 80% of the results. Again, 80% of your results are coming from the minority of what you do. You have time to do everything else and it does start to fall in line. And the other thing is, I, I personally found, I'm curious in your experience, Mark, I stopped artificially inflating the importance of things that just were not important. Can you relate to that? Absolutely. And I'm probably the biggest offender of that Mm. because I found myself, you know, going back to that email question, 
it was me that is so anal that I don't want my inbox to have any emails in it. That I have all these little subfolders where I've got to get, I have to get the email, even though it has nothing to do with business. Take that email and move it over to the subfolder. How much time did I waste doing that? Yeah. Where it was something that had really nothing to do with 80% of the success of my business. I feel you. I feel and I'm telling you what, one thing that I did during this process, and it, and it happened for two reasons, I got off social media. Hmm. I just, and I, and I, it couldn't be where I just, you know, don't go to Facebook anymore. I literally closed the Facebook account down, got rid of it. Because Why? I myself gravitating to social media too much. Mm. Now that was uh, that was my vice, so I had to do that so I could focus on what was more important, and it definitely wasn't checking to see what people were eating or what, <laughs> <laughs> or what they were arguing about today, or you know, it definitely wasn't social media. Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give to somebody else who's listening to this? I want to go twofold. One, if they are an employee in a company, they're not the leader. What advice would you give to them beginning the journey? And what advice would you give to that leader? I thought that if I'm an employee, the value of what can be learned into this process, if, even if you have to, even if you work for an employer who doesn't have this coaching, just go buy the book, read, read, you know, and learn something. What I found, the value I found from the, the principles that were being taught during this process, not only benefited the business, but it can benefit your personal life. Do you think if you're unorganized in your business structure, you're unorganized at home? Oh, Yeah. You think that if your priorities, you know, if you're not focusing on the 20%, that brings you 80% of the happiest life lifestyle you could have, a family you could have, a marriage you have. Don't you think that focusing on what's most important in your marriage, the 20% most that gives you 80% of the of the positive results in a marriage, don't you think that would be the same, same, the same principles used in your daily life that you're learning in your work life? I just thought that was powerful. And, and that's what I got out of it. That what we were learning for business could be used in your personal life to be as successful at home as you were in the, in the workplace. That's right. That's for the employee. For the employer, how about happier employees? I mean, there's nothing tougher than, especially when in, in nowadays, when you've got a workforce who sometimes is looking for the greener pasture or there's some bonuses that are signing bonuses that are out there right now where you could be losing some talent. You know, I haven't lost one person during that time. Think about that. I trimmed down during COVID, you know, because, you know, because we just didn't need as many people, but I only trimmed down the people that I didn't care if they left. They weren't, they weren't performing to our standards. Mm -hmm. They were requiring more coaching than what, you know, it was almost like 80% of our time were spent coaching those people versus the people that were already here, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't lose one employee during this time. Even though there might have been greener pastures on the other side, signing bonuses waiting for them, 
They stay here because of the culture. And I think this helped. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I remember having the conversation with my partner, Jay, and hearing him say, you know, people, when people leave, it's usually because they wake up and realize they can't have everything they want. And they see an opportunity to have more elsewhere. And almost always, it's something in their personal life. It's something that might be suffering as a relationship of being in business with you. And if, as a leader, if you can take a stand for the whole person, professionally and personally, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. So again, it's part of the overall structuring of our culture. And I think that's, that's really helped us as far as creating that culture that makes this place the people want to work. That's right. That's right. Well, Mark, where can people learn more about you? Well, real simple. Uh, they can go to our website at the LloydGroupInc.com, the L-L-O-Y-D GroupInc.com. Um, everything about us is on that website. We have a TV show here in Atlanta. We're on the radio here in Atlanta. Uh, and it talks about our team and about our process. Um, we have been doing this for over 30 years and we've helped thousands of families here in the Atlanta area. We're on three generations of clients. I'm very blessed. You know, I had grandma and grandpa. Now I got grandkids that are clients and, um, it's really, it's one reason why at 60 years old, I have no desire to retire because we're nowhere, we know we're making a difference in people's lives. That's right. And thank you guys for helping us move forward in the direction that we need to help the next and the next and the next generation of lives. Oh, it was our pleasure. conversation with Mark Lloyd. The thing that I hope that you heard is just how much energy Mark has about the future. While fewer things are now on his plate, the business continues to grow. He is still energized. And what he has done by clarifying his job, as well as the job of his key leaders, is he has empowered them. He said, I trust you to do what you need to do so that this business continues to grow. I have no doubt that he will continue to be successful, to continue to build a great business that will grow independent of him so he achieves his goal of creating generational opportunities. If this episode has brought value to you, think of somebody you know who needs to hear it, share it with them. If you're new to the show, click the follow button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. And please consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player. It helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.